We're learning this week's parsha is Chayei Sara. Chayei Sara means the life of Sarah. Huh? You're right. You're right. A year ago. Oh my gosh, it has been here. Yeah, here you go. Sarah. Then let's read the first verse in the parsha. Go ahead. And the life of Sarah was 100 years and 20 years and 7 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. Then here we see the Torah says, right, start by That's what the life of Sarah, 127, and then the Torah repeats again. This was the life of Sarah. This uh, were the years of the life of Sarah. Then Rashi is trying to explain what we learn from the word, this is the life of Sarah again. We already said in the first beginning. And the life of Sarah, what, what are you repeating again? Says Rashi. The years of the life of Sarah, all of them were equally good. All of them were equally good. What does this mean? They were equally bad. <laughs> equally good, <laughs> not bad. And the, all the years were equally good in what sense? That's the question. Righteous, physical, nobody can have, I mean, equally good. I mean, Sarah had also hard years in her life, many hard years. She couldn't have children and so on. Then let's see what the Rebbe says about that. The Torah's teaching regarding the life of Sarah, that they all were considered equally good, is meant to serve as an example for future generations. In other words, each of us has the ability to achieve this level in which all our years will be equally good. How was this expressed? Okay, that means that everything that the forefathers did was a way of paving the way for the children to do the same. Anything that you see by Abraham, if it's sacrificing his son, if it's the walking Lech Lecha to walk from place to place, the, uh, whatever Abraham did, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob, and, and Leah, and Rachel, it's all war to... Pave the ways for us. And the, then the, the Rebbe says, if the Torah says here that Sarah's life were all equally good, it has to be something that we can also apply to our life. Something we can learn, and we can do it too. And what is that that we can learn from it? Okay, you want to continue? How was, that, <coughs> how was this expressed in Sarah's life? Yeah. In the end of the Torah portion, we read that throughout Sarah's lifetime. Her candle would remain lit from one Shabbos Eve to the next. Her dough was always blessed, and a cloud was always attached to her tent. In a minute, we'll read what it means. The Rebbe is going all the way to the end of the parsha to find out what it means all of them are equally good. Here is the end of the parsha, source number two. Continue. Isaac brought her to the tent of Sarah, his mother, and he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted for the loss of his mother. First of all, this is the story about, you know, the whole thing about Eliezer. He went to Haran to look for a wife for, for, for uh, Isaac. And finally, Isaac met her and he brought her to his mother's tent. And he found comfort after, his mother's, after losing his mother, after his loss. And, and he loved her. She became his wife and then he loved her. That's a Jewish way of doing things. <laughs> you fall in love, oh, yo, 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 and then you fall out. <laughs> you know who you marry. You make an intellectual decision. And then, and then you love her, and then you find comfort. That's what's written in the text. Now comes the Medrash and says on this, he brought her to the, to the what does this mean? He brought her to, to, the, to the tent of his mother. What, 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 what he wants to say with it? 
Go ahead. Isaac brought her to the tent of Sarah, his mother. All the days that Sarah was alive, a cloud was connected to the entrance of her tent. When she died, the cloud stopped resting at her tent. When Rebecca came, the cloud returned. All the days that Sarah was alive, there was a blessing in her dough. And when Sarah died, that blessing ended. When Rebecca came, the blessing returned. All the days that Sarah was alive, there was a candle that would burn from Shabbos Eve to the next Shabbos Eve. And when she died, the candle stopped burning for so long. And when Rebecca came, the week-long flame of the candle returned. There were three miracles happening in Sarah's tent. Number one, it was a cloud hovering her tent. If everybody saw the cloud, or only the righteous people saw it, I don't know. But it was a certain protection over the, over the tent of Sarah. The Messiah was there. It was a miracle. The second miracle was that she used to make dough. It was not only enough for as much as she made. Somehow it was always more, always enough for everybody to eat. Because what was your business? To feed people. It was always enough. As much as she did, the food came out good. It was a blessing in the dough. The door represents everything, all food. And when she used to light the candles, you know, lighting candles Friday night, they didn't start two weeks ago. <laughs> Sarah was the first one to light candles. We are lighting candles Friday night 4,000 years. It's unbelievable if you think about that. Now, I remember, in the year 2000, the New York Times made a front page how the, uh, how the, the year will look, how the New York Times will look in a, I think in a thousand years from, in the year 3000. They said they made different, and then they, said they put a sign, there is a little blurb in the front page of the Jewish news and of the New York Times, an advertisement, when is candlelighting time? That they put it there, they find out what will be the candlelighting time in the year 3000, hmm. because they said this is something that will never change. And this is really, is a statement that even the, it was a Catholic uh, editor, and he says he knew one thing, this Jewish women will light candles from a thousand years from now. And this is an amazing thing. And Sarah's candle, she used to light it Friday night. It didn't burn as much oil as she put. It was burning until next Friday night. And then it used to be put, it used to burn out. And Sarah gave, gave, God gave Sarah the chance to light the candle again. Then she had, she had miracles in her tent. Sarah had miracles in her tent. Then what the rabbi says is, all the years were go, uh, equal by Sarah, she was always protected on a miracle, miraculous level. That's what it was. We see it with the stories by, by Pharaoh. See it wherever she went, her life was above, above nature. Now we'll see. Go ahead, please. You want to continue? The miraculous cloud. Okay, then first of all, the Rebbe explains here they didn't live in a normal house because they were on the go. They had to go from place to place. They spread the belief of God everywhere. They lived in a tent. And then after they built a tent and they did what they can, God added a, a higher protection. God protected the tent from, from things that human beings cannot protect. 
It means to say, Abraham and Sarah did what they could do, and then God gave them a blessing, an extra blessing. But it's not like the Abraham and Sarah were sitting like this, God, protect me. It doesn't work like this. They did the maximum they could, and then God protected them. That, that's about the, the, the tent. That's the first miracle. Rabbi, is, is, is this cloud different than the clouds of glory? Um, not necessarily. It could be that their cloud is the paving the way for the clouds of glory. That's, everything started with the forefathers. She had a cloud, therefore the Jewish people deserve the clouds of glory. Everything started from the beginning. Continue. The door. The door. Abraham and Sarah were exceptional with regard to the mitzvah of welcoming guests. As we read in last week's Torah portion, Abraham slaughtered three cows for just three guests to serve each one from the choicest section, the tongue and the tongue. Oh. <laughs> Abraham fed, fed them tongue. It's the greatest thing in the world. Is actually beef tongue? Yeah. Oh. I, mm, no. Yeah. <laughs> my mama, my mom is love it. Yeah. 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 It's amazing. I'm sorry, I cannot give an opinion about it. You never tried beef tongue? I don't know. I don't really know. Maybe I ate once. I mean, in special things, I mean, I mean, I will survive without it. I maybe I ate once tongue, but I don't even know that I ate tongue. If you drive, then you will not survive after this. Oh, then maybe better I shouldn't eat that. I'm busy with the tongue. It's an acquired taste. It's an acquired taste. It's not an acquired taste. Yes, it is. Not caviar, Zoktan. Caviar is probably worse. Okay. Then Abraham, when the guests came to him, he fed them tongue. He slaughtered two cows and he fed them tongue. Three, I mean. Three, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No doubt in great quantity. Nevertheless, it was still limited to human proportions. But then God added a blessing of his own. Her dough became blessed, and a blessing from God was unlimited. It was above, above nature. They did whatever they could, but God put the... the what? His own touches. Exactly. And the touch of God means it's completely on a different level. But only after they did what they could, then God gave his blessing in. And, and he put it, it should never be, they never run out of food, basically, in, in Abraham and Sarah's tent. And the food was, um, the tongue in, in, Abraham's, in Abraham's tent was amazing. You, this guy's tongues, we don't know. We will mm -hmm. see if it's an acquired tent or not. <laughs> but but uh, Abraham's tongue was for sure good. I'm telling you, I interviewed the three angels. They said it was amazing. <laughs> Go ahead, Avia. Okay. Um, despite. The, okay. Page despite, six. Despite the greatness of Sarah's Shabbat candles, they were limited by physical constraint. constraints. Constraints. Mm -hmm. I can read, okay? <laughs> then God gave this candle the ability to be unlimited by keeping the candle lit till Friday night when she would light it again, thereby ensuring that it would remain constantly lit. The only reason it would go out right before, sh yeah, right before Shabbat was to give Sarah the opportunity to earn that that eternal light through her personal efforts. Oh, then here, here it was a more thing that you can measure it. Can the light was burning for a whole a whole week until next Friday night. 
I'm, I'm sure, listen, I don't know in the food how, how exactly it became more. It was always enough. People were satisfied. It was good. It was tasty. You can eat a little bit and be satisfied. You can eat a lot and be hungry. Then it was a blessing in the food. But here it was, the candle was burning a whole week. But the next Friday night, it, it went out. Why? Giving Sarah the opportunity to light, because why should she light again? It could burn a hole. She can light the candle once. God wants us to do the mitzvah. God give, the, the reason why God doesn't give us miracles because he wants, us to give the, he wants to give us the opportunity to do it. We are partners with God in the creation. We are not just employees. We are not just bystanders. In other words, all of Sarah's personal mitzvahs, notwithstanding their own greatness, were amplified by an additional blessing from above, which gave them eternal nature. Oh. Uh, and eternal nature. Then she did her mitzvahs. What are the uh, women's mitzvahs? Lighting candle, keeping, keeping the kosher kitchen. The women is usually in charge of the kitchen. And um, you're right. Baking hall is a part of the kosher kitchen. That's what they said. And then the, to have a home, the tent of Sarah. The tent of Sarah really represents the mitzvah of, of uh, family purity also. Lighting candles, that's one. Keeping a kosher kitchen, there is two. And family purity is three. Yeah. That's the three mitzvahs are entrusted. That's how the three mitzvahs are in, uh, entrusted to the Jewish woman. The tent represents the home. Who makes from the house a home? The wife. Right. And the home is the wife. It's written... Jewish law, whenever a person, when uh, the, the wife is considered the home, many times it's written a man and his home. His home is his wife. If not, he lives in an apartment, in a house, a fashion kind of place. <laughs> when it's a home, when the house becomes a home, when there's a woman there, and the wife is there. If not, it's like, just, like an, uh, just like a dormitory. Then this three, then me, but what the Rabbi wants to point out, they, whenever, whatever mitzvah Sarah did, Hashem put, Hashem gave a, a, the, 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 the side of the above logic, the, a side that's, the unlimited side to it. Yet to it. Okay, please. Okay. When you do your best, um, as said earlier, the stories of our forefathers in the Torah serve to teach and empower us. Every Jew inherits this power from our forefathers, an inheritance which is carried through the generations. When we invest effort to do our part, God gives us his blessings. His blessing. Uh, bringing our work to much greater heights. It means to say when we do what we can, our maximum, somehow God gives us such abilities that a human being cannot even reach. You, may, you understand, there is, in, the, in Judaism, there is yagata or matzata. When you will walk out, you will find. What is you will find? Finding is something you cannot expect. And you find something that you didn't work for. You can find a treasure of a million dollars. You didn't, you didn't start to look. You didn't go to look for it. But God says, if you will do your maximum, you will achieve things that you didn't even dream you can achieve. 
quite true because like uh, if you're in business and you do things all of a sudden those things allow you to see other opportunities that were never there before so it's quite often you and when you get, achieve those all of a sudden there's other opportunities you get to experiment absolutely you never foresee it when you first start out you cannot even exactly and then you a new, a new door opens to you out of nowhere and, 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 then you, and then you start to see it. You write in business, you see it more than everything. Yeah, I can tell you that. I mean, in, when, when I came here 10 years ago, I didn't even dream it's going to be what it is. Because it's from the end of God. But you have to do. And when you do, you find, finding means it's like completely above and beyond your, your expectation. Start, you have to give, like, God's not just going to do things, but you have to start with something, give him a little vessel of oil. It's the same point. It, so it's a, just a follow through. Yeah, 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 it's the same idea. It's the same idea, but you have to start with pouring the oil, then suddenly discover so much oil. Exactly, this is the same message. When you, when you do, but you have to do the maximum. You have to do, I have to do my best. I have to try my hardest. And when I try my hardest, I make myself a vessel for the blessing of God that should be above and beyond anything that I can dream even. No, there, there, there is a quote in the Rebbe, the Rebbe, it's from the Talmud, that the Rebbe, that the Rebbe to, uh, said that, you know, the Rebbe made 12 passages of the Torah that every Jewish child should know by heart. We do it by bat mitzvahs, and I think your sister oh, did that, you remember? I'm learning it right now. You're learning it? Oh, tell me about that. Yes. That, Versus. That, uh, verses that you read out loud. Yes. And you remember if you. Exactly. One of them is. Yeah, if one you I remember, I think from Ron is, but me said that like if you put a, don't tell if you put an effort and didn't succeed, it's not true. If you didn't put effort and succeeded, it's not true. But if you put effort and succeeded, it is true. Somebody knows it. <laughs> Finally. Yes, exactly this. This is the same idea. If you put an effort and you succeed, then you believe that this is real. But we have to put our effort, and then Hashem gives us a blessing much more than our effort even altogether. Let me bring it around. You're a good example. When you came out from Russia, you dreamed you were going to live in Solonaya in this kind of houses that you're living in. Mm-hmm. Not in a dream in the world, the biggest dream in the world. God had dreams for you, bigger dreams than you had. We were idiots. We were dreaming to live in New York, you know. That's yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Mrs. Kaysen used to say that she, she came to, she wanted to, she saw when she was a little girl, she was in Russia, she saw a movie of Charlie Chaplin. And she decided then she's going to America. <laughs> and they tried to tell her, go to Israel. She's going to America. And finished. She fulfilled the dream. <laughs> She came to Cleveland, she lived in, uh, in, her, ma- in her mansion, <laughs> yeah, in her little loch. Yeah, and Lee Road. But everything is relative. She lived in, a, she lived in, a, in the cynic when she grew up, and when your father was arrested, they lived in, a, in, a, in, a, in the shul, in a broken shul in, in Russia. Mm. They didn't even have a home. Mm. In any case, this is one point. Now we go to a higher level. Go ahead, please. Inner versus outward. We can also explain the significance of the three miracles. A human being's needs are generally split into two categories internal needs and external needs. 
There are things which uh, a person uh, imbibes. What is that? I'm not sure. Drinks into. Yeah. Okay. Uses in it. Okay. In his body, like food, and there are needs which are not absorbed in the same fashion, but rather serve their purpose in an external way, such as clothing or even more external, a house. So there is things. There is pnimi in makif. Pnimi means the inside, and a makif means the outside. It's around you. Then the things that you eat, it becomes a part of you. Then there is clothing, you take it off. Even a house is even more outside of you, but you cannot live without it. But it's not touching you, it's, it's surrounding you. Continue. These two categories. These two categories are represented in the dough and the cloud. Dough, which is used to make bread and food in general, represents the inner category. The cloud on the uh, tent represents the external category. Exactly. Continue. These are two categories that apply to our service of God. The internal form is when we serve God on an intellectual basis, with all your heart and all your soul. And the external form is when we serve God with all your might. In other words, when we try to grow out of our limitations. Okay, let's stop right here. We say in the Shema, should love your God, told you, no? All your heart and all your might. No, no, there's three things. It told your heart, it told your soul, and it told your might. Is this translated in the Siddur also like this? All your soul, all your might. Then Bechol Evavcha, it told your heart, it told your soul. It means whatever I can. Bechol Meotcha means, Meod means the maximum. Meod means something that's above me. I'm ready to give my life for God. It doesn't mean I have to die for God. I have to do something that's completely above me. Then, Whatever this level of service that I understand God, I love him. That's between me. It becomes a part of me. I love God. I fear God. But then, with more excitement, but then there is a level that's above me. It's an external level. There is the internal level of service of God, and there's the, inter the, the external level of serving of God. And this is the two levels that we are talking about. The door is more representing the internal level of serving, of serving God, and the cloud is something that's above me. But when I go to my maximum, I have an opportunity to serve God in something that's above me. Now, now this inner and external category are fulfilled by the, by the person. And once he invests his own effort, God gives him additional blessings from on high, providing his efforts with the eternal power of God. That is representing the blessing of the dough and the cloud on the tent. Then the dough is the level, the inner level, whatever I can do, my limited level. And the cloud represents something that's above me, that I cannot even achieve, that only God can give me when I'm ready, when I do my, when I do my part. Here comes the light. The light. The significance of the first miracle, the candle that remains... Um, Kindled throughout the week. The candle kindled throughout the week, yeah. The candle does not create anything new. When someone lights a candle in the room, nothing changes in the room itself. The only difference is that before the candle was lit, the room was dark and nothing was visible. And by lighting the candle, we gain the ability to see with clarity. What happens when you light a candle? You come into the room, you turn on the light. Nothing changed. At the same room, but before you were not able to see, now you're able to see and appreciate whatever is in the room, to enjoy what is in the room. 
What does this mean in our spiritual sense? One second. The same is true in our service to God. The Talmud, as cited in the Hasidic teaching, explains the verse, Mitzvot are a lamp, and the Torah is light, as follows. This is comparable to a man walking in the um, blackness of night and the darkness, and he is afraid of the thorns and the wild animals which he cannot see due to darkness, and he does not know which way he is walking. If a torch of fire comes his way, he is safe from thorns. Once the light, um, once the light of dawn rises, he is safe from the wild animals. In other words, darkness represents the inability to evaluate oneself, and an ability to discern between good and bad. Oh. Sweet and bitter. Then what is the, the Torah is compared? Ner mitzvah ve Torah or. The candle, the mitzvah is the candle and the Torah is a light. It means the Torah shows us the way. Without the Torah, you are in the dark. You're like walking in the night in the, in the, in the forest and you don't see where is a hole and where is, and where is wild animals. The Torah op is like turning on the light for you. Then, okay, continue. Uh, therefore, in addition to the dough and the cloud serving God with our understanding and beyond it, there also needs to be a candle being lit. We need to illuminate our lives with the source of light in the Torah, i.e. the study of the inner dimensions of Torah. That's what comes Hasidus and brings light to Judaism. That's what he's really want to say. What does this mean, Hasidus brings light to Judaism? Give an example. Go ahead, please. Yeah, what is what does this mean? Let there be light, exactly. What is the light? What what? To bring clarity. Oh. Clarity, the inner meaning of every mitzvah. People can do things and they take it in a very simple way and they don't understand what's what lays behind it. For example, prayers. Why we pray? Why we pray? Because that's one good reason. Any other reason? Connects us to God. Very nice. Very it, nice. it makes uh, our inner self like peace, kind of just give us um, um, satisfaction of something that uh, we... This is very nice. You already, such great scholars, you know already the, the higher level. <laughs> but you look in Jewish law, you pray, and never, when, when, is, when a person has to pray? How often? Three times a day. What's the biblical mitzvah of prayer? When you have to pray? In the morning. The biblical mitzvah of prayer. Morning and night. The biblical mitzvah of prayer. There's no biblical mitzvah of prayer. Ah, not exactly. There is a biblical mitzvah of prayer. Is it? Yeah. You have to pray when you are in need. That's a big rule of mitzvah. When you, when you need something, you should turn to God, not to anything else. And as soon as nobody will come to show, I gave you such a secret, and how it's going to be. <laughs> the rabbis organized it, the rabbis made it, 
It should be because you learned that Abraham was davening in the morning and Isaac was davening in the afternoon and Jacob was davening at night. And then we do it because of the sacrifices was to be in the morning, the afternoon and then the evening. That's why we made, the rabbis made it into three prayers a day because it's written in the Bible. Evening, morning and afternoon, I will, I will pray to you and so on. But biblically, the mitzvah is, you know when the mitzvah, what prayer really is? When you sit in a sports game and you watch your kid and you want them to be successful and you pray, God. Or you pray for the Browns, right? <laughs> Sometimes it's a false prayer. <laughs> a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> that's prayer. That's a basic mitzvah of prayer. What happens? Many times happens to me, especially on the, on the high holidays. People come to pray. People come. And then they tell me, I sit in the high holidays for so long. And we say the same thing again, and again, and again, and again. Enough already. If the prayer is just to come for a good year, it's too much. It's true. But if the prayer is what you said, it's about connecting to God, it's about spending time with God, it's not too much. You go out with your child for, for a walk, it's too much. You want to spend time with your child. You want to spend time with your, with your spouse. You want to spend time with friends. And you don't go there for a purpose. The purpose is to spend time with them. This idea that prayer is more than just asking for my need is, the, is what Hasidus taught us. That prayer is about establishing, as you, as you said it so beautifully, so establishing a relationship with God, as connecting to God. That's tefillah comes from the word tofel, to, to, to connect, to attach. That's what the word tefillah means. In Hebrew, also has the meaning. Because we attach ourselves to God. We spend time with God. That's what it's all about. That's why people tell me, you know, I want to sit next to my spouse in shul. Prayer is not a family time. It's time with God. Family time is the Friday night dinner, Shabbos day. There's many family times. Sh services is not family time. It's a time with God. Actually, the family is distracting you from God. I mean, your friend could also distract you from God. That's a different story. Mm -hmm. But the idea is, the idea is you come to shul not to ask for something, because if to ask, you can ask and leave. To spend time with God. This is something that Hasidus teaches us. Gives light into the mitzvah. Another example. Rosh Hashanah. What is Rosh Hashanah? I'm not Jewish. Tell me what's Rosh Hashanah. New Year. No, yeah. So beginning, new beginning. No beginning. Why should I go to show? Or praying for a good year, or praying for. It takes five minutes. <laughs> what is Rosh Hashanah? Why we blow the shofar? Why you blow the shofar? Awakening, awakening, yeah. Awakening, awakening. One blow would would wake me up, plenty. <laughs> What's the whole commotion about ah, Rosh Hashanah? Spiritual awakening. It's more of a... Spend time? Yes. I can spend time on Tuesday with God. Why Rosh Hashanah? Why you spend time Rosh Hashanah with God? Rosh Hashanah is the coronation of God as the king of the universe. And you are invited to the inauguration. Because God cannot be... To be inaugurated, you need some people who say that you are the king. Some people appoint a king. If nobody says that the king is not a king, right? If God does not have the human being, the Jewish people who say you accept him as a king and go out to the world and say God is the king of the universe, then God is not a king. He might be a king, but nobody knows. 
Why coronation on uh, Rosh Hashanah? The first of the year, of the Jewish year. That's when we count. No, no, so That's why we coronation is done on the first day of, of the every year. Every God, year. yeah, I mean, the, the president is only once in four years. God, we have to elect him again on the first of the year, all over again. And blowing the shofar is like blowing the trumpet is to crown the king. Then crowning the king means then now somebody tells you, if you say, oh, you're coming to get a good deal, you know, you come a little... Mm. Oh, God is judging you, you deserve it, and this. Why we dress up, we have nice meals. It's an inauguration party. Oh, I want to be invited. Who doesn't want to be a part of an inauguration party? Everybody wants to be. That Chesides took Rosh Hashanah and took that from a day of everybody being tzukrochen to the most, to the most exciting day. Shade light on the holiday, on the, on the whole thing. And there is thousands of examples of this concept. Our Chesides is called the, the light of the Torah. It takes the Torah, the same Torah, but turn on the light. Turn on the speech. The moment you turn on the speech, it says, wow, that's an exciting thing. I thought that something put you down. The Mount of Elul, in many communities, Mount of Elul, everybody's afraid. God is going to judge you. And Roshan and Kippur. Chesides came and said, God and the Mount of Elul is going out to the field. He's going to meet you and he's smiling to you. And he's inviting you and he's embracing you. Oh, I love such a God. It's all about the, giving it a different understanding, the deeper meaning of it, and then seeing the light there. Now we'll read from inside. We're supposed to read. Um, yeah. Okay, you. The Shabbos candle was instituted to maintain the peace in home and to help us avoid conflict. So too, on a deeper level, there can be at times a conflict in your service of God. You might agree that certain things should be dedicated to God, but in other areas you might maintain that they are unrelated to God and you can do as you please. In order to avoid such conflict in your service to God, you need to ensure that you have a lit candle. Okay, I'll tell you what's going on here. You know, when you're serving God, tell me, when you're serving God, then how much of the day you're serving God? Depends well, on what kind of like, Jew you are, I mean, you know, honestly, if you're good. Five minutes a day? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We, we tend to do it all the time. Because leaving, eating, anything even you do for yourself, for your family, going to work, all of this is considered to be a mitzvah. So, Why? Why is this considered to be a mitzvah? Uh, because you're being productive. Because you're, because you're, you're, taking, care your you're taking care of uh, yourself, you're taking care of what you're supposed to do, and you take care of this society, you take care of your family, you take care of... Uh, uh, pretty much what God told you of the earth. And Go the ahead. No. Um, well, if we're made in the image of God, we're really taking care of God by taking care of ourselves. Okay, then when is it a service of God and when is it not a service of God? Then every person in the world is serving God the whole day? When you have a God in your it mind. Depends when you on your ah, when you have God in your mind and you're doing it. If I eat a piece of the tongue because it's good, <laughs> I'm serving my stomach. <laughs> if I eat the tongue because it's Shabbos, and Shabbos God says you have to enjoy yourself, oh, now you're serving God. See, the, the regular world looks at it like this. I serve God. I go to shul two hours, I gave to God. The rest of it is mine. Chesidus comes and says, every minute of your life you're serving God. Every second. Then when you serve God, it's not about... then. 
It's, and it's actually the service of God where is the harder level. When, you are in, when you're in shul, it's easy to be a Jew. It's easy to serve God. That's what you do. When you do a mitzvah, even if you don't have any intention, you are serving God already. You understand? When I light the candles, even if I don't have any intention, I don't think about God, I still do a mitzvah. Because I do a mitzvah. I'm busy and engaging in doing a mitzvah. When I eat, here it's what makes the difference. What is my intention? If I eat with the intention because I eat because God told me to eat and I need to take care of my body because my body doesn't belong to me. And now I prove that my body doesn't belong to me when I don't do tattoos on my body and I know it belongs to God, for example. Then I know it's, then, then it's a mitzvah. Then I serve God when I eat. You can even serve God in your sleep. If you go to sleep with the intention, I need to sleep because I need to get up tomorrow, because I need to, do, to serve God, because I need to take care of my family, because God told me to take care of my family, because I signed in the Ketubah, I made a commitment in the Ketubah that I will take care of my family, that suddenly taking care of my family is a mitzvah. It's all about your intention, and suddenly it's not about what, uh, it's not, it's not, a, it's, then every, that's what he says here, in, in the world looks at it like this, a mitzvah is a mitzvah. Then it's what I do. Don't interfere. Don't mix kasha with borscht. You know what kasha and borscht is? <laughs> you know what borscht is? Yeah. Good. <laughs> you know what a good borscht is? The original gazpacho. <laughs> kasha and borscht. You don't mix two things. There is mitzvahs and there is my time. You know, people say, now it's my time. I gave my kids two hours. Now it's my time. People are busy in America all day with my time. <laughs> my birthday, it's my time. Don't touch me. Don't tell me what to do. Everybody should dance around me because it's my birthday. Your birthday should be nicer to others, not less, <laughs> not more selfish. But that's a different story. <laughs> in Judaism, there is no my time. No such thing as my time. Every minute of your day, that's what a tzaddik is. Every minute of your day should be dedicated to God. Give an example. You know, the Rebbe used to tell people when, they was, when somebody is sick in the family, check the mezuzahs. Even a religious Jew, where's kosher mezuzahs? He says, what are you mixing business? The mezuzahs have to be kosher. I'll check them every, every three and a half years, or if you, if you do the right way, every year. And if somebody is sick, I go to the doctor. What are you mixing kosher with borscht? What are you connecting two things so there's nothing to do with each other? Came the Rebbe and told us, no, told us if you want to... If your kids were healthy, check the mezuzahs. There is a link. There is no such thing. My time, this time. When you turn on the light, you see they're all connected. They're all interconnected. Everything is, your whole life is interconnected. That's what it's all about. It's, it's the whole, and this is, that's what he says. If you turn on the light, you see that every minute of the life is, now the hardest job I remember once, maybe I mentioned that here. You know, there is a statement in the book of Ecclesiastic or one of these books. Um, a man is born to toil. A man is born to toil, a woman too. I mean, to say, people are born to toil, to walk. They always said, how, how could he fulfill this commandment? You're born to toil on Shabbos, you're not allowed to toil, right? The Rebbe said, to serve God in every minute, having in mind that you're you serving God, this is the biggest toil. This is harder than everything. You know what this means, like a mother who has a baby? She sleeps. And she, and she, she has the first, the baby cries, right away she has the baby. The husband can sleep like a log, it doesn't move, you have to bring a, a tractor to wake him up. The wife, the mother, she wakes up in a second. She can do a million things. She has, she, right away, oh, because it's in the back of her, of her mind, in her, 
subconscious, she's constantly connected. That means to serve God. It doesn't mean you don't talk to people. It doesn't mean you don't eat. It doesn't mean you don't do business. But every time in your mind, you do it for the sake of God. Then when you understand, that Chassidus teaches us the whole day is about, is, all your life is serving God. Not just when you do mitzvahs. When you do mitzvahs, it's easy. To be a Jew when you do a mitzvah is very easy. You're engaged in a mitzvah. When I put on the film, even if I don't think, even if I dream, I still do a mitzvah. It's easy for you to say it's easy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm telling you, when you don't do a mitzvah, it's much harder. That's what I want to say. But not just, not just this. There is other examples. But let's read a little more. Go ahead. Simply put. Simply put, a Jew can study Torah and do mitzvot his whole life, without light, with no life and energy. He must light a candle. He must have a passion in his service to God. And that is accomplished by studying the inner dimension of Torah the Torah's light. And it needs to be lit from one Shabbat, Shabbat Eve to the next. His candle needs to remain lit constantly. No matter what level he attains, he must continually strive to serve God with additional light, enthusiasm, and passion. It means to say a person has to get excited. The Chassidus teaches him to, is, is giving him the excitement about Judaism. You, you know, you can, you can light the Hanukkah candles, sit like in your house, you light the candles, uh-huh, and you go home. Oh, you can light the candles and can make a whole excitement event from it. And when you, the excitement, if we want to preserve Judaism for the next generation, it's the excitement counts more than everything. How you do it, it's not what you do. Yeah, we, yeah I was doing it. Uh-huh, I was doing it. Such a doing, nobody wants to be a part of it. The kids will never want to be a part of it. But you're excited about it. But this is also, for example, you know, charity. What is charity? What the word charity means in English? Donation. I know donation. Help others. Charity means charitable, to be charitable, to give, to give somebody who... Giving, giving, giving more than I have to. I'm charitable. Right? What is zaka in Hebrew? How are you translate? What's zaka? What's the word zaka means? I thought it was charity. Zaka? Zaka? Yeah, zaka. Yeah, zaka. Yeah. Isn't that the same thing? What's the word Zaka in Hebrew? Tzedek. What's Tzedek? All righteous. Righteousness. The right thing to do. You understand the difference? In English, it's a charitable thing. If I want, I'll do it. In Hebrew, Tzedaka. I'm obligated to do it. That's the right thing to do. That's a different. That means to bring light to the mitzvah. It's not what you, what I want to do. The Rebbe once spoke about Torah, about, uh, I think it was Tshuva. Tefillah and Tzedakah, and you show that every name of this, in English, it's translated, Tshuva means, why are you translating Tshuva in English? Tshuva, repentance. What is repenting means? When you sin, you repent. What is Tshuva means? Tshuva, Tshuva, what's Tshuva? Lashuv. Lashuv, you know what Lashuv is? Reflection, maybe. No, no. no. Lashuv must be to return. Returning. You know what must be returning? You went on the highway, got lost. You return, you come back. Every Nishama, every Jew is connected to God. But you went on the highway and he got lost. Oh, he got lost. Big time got lost. Hmm. Then he wakes up and he makes a U-turn. That's what Chuva is. Now, what's the difference? What, what, where is the difference here? 
if you say I have to re re repentance, I can say, I don't have to repent. I met people who told me they didn't have to repent for anything. They did all the right things. <laughs> they did all the right thing. He doesn't have to repent. No, Rabbi, I don't feel I have to repent for anything. That's one type of people. Then there is another type of people who tell you, repenting, I did so many bad things, God will never, never forgive me. What's the point to repent? Shuva is nothing to do with repenting. You might be the righteous man. You might be the worst man. Return back home. God is coming out to Rosh and says, guys, come back. Come back home. It's nothing to do with you. Bad and good, nothing. Come back home. I want you closer. Come closer to me. That has a whole different meaning. And Phila is what he said before, the difference in, in English, prayers means to ask, praying means to ask for something. I pray, I beg. And Phila means to attach, to be connected. Then again, this is all examples. And as I told you, there is the old Torah, is full of examples how Chassidus brings light to the, to, to the line. It's, 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 Tfila is not prayer, Tshuva is not repentance, and Tzedakah is not charity. It's a whole different story. It's connecting, returning, and it's the right thing to do. Then when you look over this way, that means turning on the light. It's a whole different story. And it's a whole different story. It makes sense. It gives you excitement. And that's what we have to do. We have to get excited about our Judaism, turning on the light. And when we are excited, our children will be excited, our grandchildren will be excited. It's all up to us. And don't quit later.